सहनावतु सहनावभुनक्तु सहावीर्यं करवाहवाहि तेजस्वीनावतीतमास्तु नाविद्विशावाहि This is Gurudev, the source of my knowledge and the source of our tradition of teaching. Now, deserving. Speaking of Gurudev and deserving, Gurudev had what became a famous quote. And the quote is, you deserve the best. Never feel unjustified or not worthy of having the best. I tell you, this is your heritage. It means birthright, by the way. But you have to accept it. You have to expect it. You have to claim it. To do so is not demanding too much. That's the statement about deserving power. I'm going to use that as a launching platform into deserving and gratitude. In our Western culture, we have a very uncomfortable relationship with deserving and also with gratitude. Sometimes our gratitude is based on the idea of not deserving. I'm so grateful that I have somehow been loved even though actually I don't deserve it. Entire religions have been based on this. You might know some of them. You know, Your deserving is nothing and Whoever created you, it was a kind of mistake. It was a mistake you got created because look what a mess you made. And now, you know, you're going to be saved from the inevitable destruction, which is your lot. And you're to be very grateful for the fact that you're being saved even though you don't deserve. This is a Western way of looking at the Eastern religions. You know there aren't really any Western religions except for the native religions of the Americas. They're the, West, they're the Western religions. We talk about Western religion when we're talking about Middle Eastern religion. Judeo-Christianity is not Western. It came from the Middle East. Western interpretation of the East, of the Eastern religions. So we find that dichotomy and that discomfort between deserving and gratitude. I have great, great gratitude, especially if it has been overlooked that I don't deserve. 
if there is a willful overlooking of my lack of deserving, then I'm super grateful, super grateful. This is the wrong approach to gratitude. What's the correct approach to gratitude? I'll go back to Gurudev's statement. You deserve the best statement. Next thing, an imperative sentence. Never feel unworthy or not justified in having the best. I tell you, I'm just quoting directly from him. I tell you, this is your heritage, but now comes the gratitude part. You have to accept it. You have to expect it. You have to claim it. There's the gratitude there, accepting of your birthright. And what is your birthright? The best. What happens when people make the assumption that they don't deserve the best? They settle. They settle for second best, third best, fourth best, 15th best, 1,000th best. They settle. I'll settle for that, you know. I deserve the best is the opposite of settling. One doesn't settle for anything other than the best. This is the Vedic worldview. How do you rise into that capability? Kingdom of heaven is within you. That was the rabbi from Nazareth. Kingdom of heaven is within you. First you seek the kingdom of God. All else will be added unto you. Who else said things like that? Buddha. Who else said things like that? Muhammad. Who else said things like that? Confucius. Who else said it? Everybody said it. Everybody. Aristotle said it. The first science. Know thyself. Establish yourself in the self. Know that fundamental field of being. There's your deserving power. Infinite creativity. What happens when you depart from that? that inner experience, you end up settling for less than the best. And everyone has done it. Everyone. You know, we think, well, you know, how long is the best going to take? <laughs> I've got to have some kind of experience. <laughs> some time involved here. <laughs> you know, and, you know, we also have to look at another feature. As our consciousness grows and grows and grows, our idea about what actually is the best changes. What's the best? I spent a lot of time in India with Indian yogis in the Himalayas. In the West we say Himalayas. There they say Himalaya. Himma means snow. Laya means the abode, the abode of snow. Some of those yogis, men and women, by their own choice, chose to possess absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. When I say absolutely nothing, I mean not even clothes. India is a very, very interesting place. I stayed with a very wealthy family in a suburb of New Delhi, a place called Golf Links. 
the woman who's just recently passed was the chief minister for education for the federal government. One day she was having tea with her neighbors. I was invited. And they all came in their beautiful saris and they were bedecked and bejeweled because they were the upper class women of, of India. And when the tea was about to come out, there was a little disturbance in the kitchen. We went to have a look. The woman who was the hostess, the Minister for Education, said, you all have to come and see this. A great blessing has arrived. And what was the great blessing? Sitting in the lawn, the copious lawn of the backyard, was a tree. And leaning up against that tree, meditating, was a completely stark naked man who had dreadlocks down to the ground and nothing else, meditating away. The women all looked. A great blessing has come. This is the blessing, a blessing. Now imagine, you know, you're in Brooklyn or something or <laughs> Bedford or someplace. And you look out your kitchen window and see a naked man sitting, leaning against a tree with dreadlocks. You call 911. <laughs> In India, a great blessing has occurred. She said, we have to make a plan. And the plan will be that, you know, these people, these ascetics, they won't eat any food that you prepare for them. They'll only eat if everyone else has eaten and there's some leftovers. So now we have to eat quickly and leave some leftovers and we'll put it on a plate and it will be taken and offered. And that happened. And one by one, they bowed in front of the naked master who was leaning against the tree. I met another naked master in India. I took a beautiful photograph of him. It was very easy. I just had to hold my camera up and press click. He was sitting uh, by the river, covered with the ash of the crematorium, covered with ash. Go every day to the place where the bodies are burned. As an alm, expect to receive some ash from a burned body. It's given because it's considered a sacred act. The ash is then smeared all over the body of the ascetic, man or woman, doesn't matter. And then they sit quietly by the river. One of my students was with me and said, why is that man wearing that ash, white ash? I said, let's ask him. So we did, very politely. He took a little bit of the ash in his fingers and went like this, letting it fly in the wind. And he said, I'm going to spend a lot more time in this form, the ash, than I am in this form, patting his body. And I'm just trying to get used to it. <laughs> An ascetic with a sense of humor. So what's their concept of the best? What's the best? For those people, the best is being able to sit near the sacred river Ganga. Best. 
having the sun shining on them, best. Nobody bothering them, best. Nobody bothering you, just the best. Blessed solitude, the only blessedness. That's the statement of an ascetic who by nature is living that life. No one speaking, fantastic. No one wants to know about me, wonderful. Um, no possessions, wonderful, fantastic. It's just one, that's the best, absolutely the best. Now, not all of us would consider that to be so. Maybe we'd get a little itchy. Maybe we'd get a little hungry. Maybe we'd get, you know, a little discomfort because we've got Instagram withdrawal. Maybe we would have, you know, other problems like what do people think or where are they or whatever. For us, the best might be something completely different. It might be something completely different. What Gurudev's statement is asking of you is, what is the best for you as you conceive it now? What is it? that your individuality is being caused to desire right now. When our individuality and our universality meet in meditation, when thoughts fade away and there's a moment of no mantra, no thought, our individuality meets our universality. And as we continue to expose ourselves to that experience over and over and over again, Individuality and universality merge. What is that universality? Cosmic intelligence. It's everywhere. There's no place that it's not. Absolutely everywhere. Scientists like to call it the unified field. It sounds a little bit less culpable than God or something. Unified field. Unified field, the field of infinite intelligence, energy, creativity, all the atoms and particles come from that. Everything is that, unified field. One indivisible whole conscious field. That is your baseline, your baseline. If you think of yourself as a wave in the ocean, then a wave is not connected to the ocean. A wave is ocean in a localized curvature. We can't say a wave's connected to the ocean no glue, no tape, no screws, nothing connects it. It is the ocean. When ocean undulates, then that undulation is called wave. So it's a localized curvature of the underlying field. That's you. When your individuality meets your universality, the Veda, the ancient body of knowledge from which all this comes, states that your desire when you're meeting there at that level is the desire of the universe. That which you think of as the best, that is what you need to, and here are those words, accept, expect, claim. The best, the best. Now, what if next week it changes? And, you know, you got the experience, whatever it was. Now you have it, you've experienced it. And the mind moves on to thinking of something else as the best. Something more expansive. 
something that makes you even more relevant as an individual. Our relevance constantly has to be. We have to refresh constantly our sense of our personal relevance. You know, we breathe air, we take up space, we use resources, we cause pollution, our bodies every day create some pollution. You know, what's the relevance of our existence? If in fact, we're not expanding the consciousness of the totality, we have to ask that question. What's my contribution to, to the group process of evolution? What's my personal contribution right now? Somewhere in all of that, the best is going to come to you, the best. Best this, best that, best whatever, best experience. The highest level of whatever it is that is available, that's yours. Where do we have gratitude? We demonstrate our gratitude through acceptance. We give the gift of acceptance. Little child came to me, one of my own. Daddy, daddy, I have a present for you. Oh, what's the present, says daddy. Here and in the hand of Mary was a snail with a broken shell. And it was in its last stages of struggling in its own slime. And she goes, it's your present, daddy. I said, oh, thank you. Now, bad daddy would say, ooh, nasty. Get that snail out of your hand. Let's wash it. Ooh, don't ever touch that. But really what was in the hand of Mary was love. It wasn't a snail. It was love. And you give the gift of acceptance by accepting the broken snail. Oh, look, looks like he has a broken shell. Does he have a name yet? Let's name him. Oh, look, he died. Oh. <laughs> what would you like to do with Snaily? Because that was the name chosen, Snaily. What would you like to do with Snaily? Let's find some nice way of honoring Snaily. So sweet, so nice. We'll make a little sign and everything like that. Oh, you want to make that sign? Good, very good, excellent. Well, maybe we should, maybe we should just wash our hands a little bit, you know, before we have the sandwich. <laughs> Snaily, you know, like that. And so is snail the best? Broken snail? Being able to accept the gift of love, that's the best. Absolute best. It's the best. And, you know, snail was a kind of pretext for there to be an offering of some kind. Can we give the gift of acceptance to the big self? Big self wants you to first of all know, for you, for now, what the best is. Will you give the gift of acceptance of that? What the best is? Or do you reject it and look for second best, third best, fourth best, tenth best, whatever? Do you settle? Accept, expect. This is a whole training program. You know, expect the best. Expect it. That means it's your standard for what's moving toward you. You expect the best. And 
Finally, the third thing, you lay claim to it. You claim it. You claim it. That means take it in fully. Take it in fully. Once you do that and you complete that process, your consciousness now has an experience of expansion, of elevation. It's not the end of the story. It's going to expand further. And as it expands further, your idea of what is the best in each area of life is going to grow. And as it grows, once again, accept, expect, claim. And then it will grow some more. And it will grow some more. So our, our sense of gratitude is not on the basis of not deserving. In the Vedic worldview, we don't take the view that I don't deserve, but I got anyway, and therefore I need to be grateful, otherwise I feel guilty. I'm guilty. Guilty, not deserving, but received anyway, I better be grateful, I'm just a kind of a wretch that managed to get something good. Not a very elevating consciousness statement to make. The elevating consciousness statement to make is, I regard my source. My source is infinite intelligence. My source, infinite intelligence. And what comes from that source, I identify with that. The best comes from that. The best. My source, not my little tiny body, the circumstances of its birth, that, that's not the source. That's the body and its story about whatever happened that brought that body to the earth. Body is not the whole explanation of you. Body and circumstances of body are not the thing, these answers to that are not the thing that explain you. You cannot be explained by body and circumstances of it. You are a consciousness field, and that consciousness field has a body. And that body is a means whereby great evolutionary work can be carried out. And so then, you know, this process of learning about your deserving, and then we demonstrate innocently our gratitude through acceptance through expecting through claiming and living it that's the living of it, it's the claiming that's it a very simple subject actually <laughs> very simple <laughs> you have your eyes open for the best and if you get fixated on an item rather than the love that lies behind the gift the actual gift that was being given was love could have been a snail, could have been a broken popsicle stick, could have been anything. We have to have our eyes open for the larger gift that lies behind the gift. And so everything that comes to us is a gift. Can you detect it? Can you detect the way in which it's a gift? Everything that comes to you is a gift. And it might be a gift of learning. It might be a gift of you learning what is sustainable and what is not. It might be any kind of gift. Can you detect the gift? Sometimes the gift that's coming to you is um, there's an exam that you have to go through. 
You know, you get pulled over by a policeman, and there are places in the United States where people drive cars other than Uber and cabs <laughs> outside of New York. And sometimes they don't drive in a way that pleases the local law enforcement, and they get pulled over. So they get pulled over, get a little ticket, and all of that. Are you maximizing this? Because there's a gift here. There are reasons why you shouldn't drive your car so fast. There are reasons. Are you learning the lesson? You're going to pay the $60 fine. That's a course fee, that fine. It's a course fee. And have you shown some respect for the person who was going to teach you about not driving too fast? Or were you there like, oh, man, you know, really? Okay, I guess. Okay, give me the ticket. Look, I wasn't really doing what you said I did, and all of that. Attempting to shame somebody who's simply got a job of giving you a course. You pay your course fee and see if you really got the lesson. Maybe you got it, maybe you didn't. Maybe you need to have the PhD level of that course and why you can't endanger the lives of others through your fast driving of your lethal vehicle. So like that, can you find the gift? Can you detect it? And always, if you can detect the gift and you go through that exam, it's a self-exam, then what happens is graduation. You graduate to a higher consciousness plane, higher consciousness state. You graduate and graduate and graduate and graduate. So we want to be mindful of the true gift. What's the true gift? Is it just the snail? Or is it, you know, I've been presented with a speeding ticket? If we only find the bad fortune in a thing, you know, the inconvenience, what are we missing? We want to get at that which we might otherwise be missing, get our consciousness bigger. Something can be learned at every moment. There's something to learn. Some way of turning a smushed up snail into a memorable experience that you have with you with love in your heart for decades. Or, yeah, my little girl, she got a fascination with snails and she gave me a smashed up snail and eminently forgettable. And, you know, I had to take time off from my phone and wash my hands because I can't get the snail slime on my phone. Man, what a bummer, you know? These kids need to learn how to give me things I want. <laughs> that would be fail the exam. <laughs> so we welcome the exams. How do you distinguish between the best and everything else? Mm. If everything is a gift, how do you distinguish between the best and everything else? I think we always know what the best is. Sometimes we are being examined by our own bigger self, it's our own bigger self really, to see if we can actually identify it as, su as such. So let me give you some examples. That man who had the ash all over his body, who gave the answer about I'm just trying to get used to it, 
I went for a walk with him. It lasted six weeks. <laughs> we walked from Rishikesh all the way up to Badrinath together, did it on foot. I wanted to see what it was like to live that lifestyle. When he found a, a bin, like a garbage bin, outside of a restaurant, he just motioned to me with his head, he hardly spoke, and said, look at this, this is the best. And he began picking through the leftover food that had been discarded from this little cafe. Look at this, this is absolutely the best. Oh, this is the best, this is the best, come on. And you know, I wasn't used to eating out of garbage cans. <laughs> but I wanted to see, he was just one of the happiest people I ever met in my life. So happy. And I looked at him and I said, is it safe? And he said, please don't ask that in front of God. Please don't ask that in front of God. God gives you a gift and you say, is it safe? That's not, a, not, not good to say that. Come on, enjoy. And for the first time in my life, I ate discarded food from a restaurant. I have to tell you, it was absolutely delicious. <laughs> mainly because, <laughs> mainly because we hadn't eaten in a day and a half and we were walking constantly into the Ganges River. And those of you who think in Fahrenheit, and I think that's everyone in the room except Katya, water 48 degrees, chilling in winter. And, you know, a little light frost on the ground and accompanied by a 48 degree bathe in the, in the Ganges. And he looks at me and he says, the best. He says it in Hindi, it's Hindi, it's mostly Hindi speaking. The best, he says and smiles, those beautiful big white teeth, shivering, shivering. Out of the water, oh, the best. Sun, oh, the best, best, like that. He looks at me straight after that and says, time for food? I said, not yet. <laughs> I was happy with, you know, no food for the moment, not really interested in going back to another cafe's garbage can. <laughs> Six weeks later, with big calluses on my feet and so on, I arrived in Badrinath. What is the best anyway? There's all this other stuff. What's the best? Nature will guide you to it. If you can just relax, get into your simplest form of awareness and allow yourself to enjoy, that which is the best will present itself. Now, in any situation, any situation, any means without exception, always, at every moment, at every second, there is a higher value and a lower value. I can open my mouth and begin speaking ill of someone, or I can enjoy silence. Higher value, lower value. Best is the higher value, lean towards that. At any given moment, there is a higher value and a lower value. That might be you're ordering food, it might be what you choose to spend more time ruminating about. There's this and then there's that. Higher value, lower value, 
we just favor and lean towards the higher value. And if we keep doing that, it starts to become a habit. And what happens is you won't even think about the lower value as a possibility anymore. It never even occurs to you. Lower value doesn't occur. Higher value, that occurs to you. That's what occurs to you. And this is forming of a habit, leaning in the direction of the higher value. Higher is always the best, always. What is the higher value at any given moment? Fear or realize you deserve the best and the universe is going to support you. Let's put our attention on that. Fear, that's not, you weren't created to be some big frightened thing. You're created to be magnificent, noble, fantastic, broad. Fear is not the higher of the two values. Being fearless, let's lean towards that, fearlessness. Either we live in a universe which is itself pervasively intelligent, or we live in a universe in which we, the human beings, are the only intelligent thing we can spot. I mean, we can spot dogs and stuff, but we think we're smarter than them, even though we pick up their poo. That's interesting. <laughs> That's a city behavior, right? Still, either we live in a universe that is itself one indivisible whole consciousness field, and that includes you, it can't be that you're not that. If that's the nature of the universe, that's got to be you. Or you live in a universe in which everything's randomicity. And the only things that you're going to have in life that are of value are the things that are the products of you being controlling. Control, 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 control. And then by lots of controlling, you'll get some kind of basket of goods and services at your disposal but it'll dwindle and you'll lose it unless you do more controlling. Either that's your universe or the other one's your universe. Higher value, lower value. I'm going to make a pitch for the conscious universe being the higher value. If that's the case, favor that, work on that principle. You're going to find the best will offer itself to you regularly. Just this is one of the principles of what is known in India as one of the systems of realization of truth. It's called Raja Yoga. Raja means a king. Yoga means the, a method whereby you experience oneness with the self. Now we can forget all about brand names and things like that. Raja Yoga is also a brand name of something in the West, at least one thing. But Raj Yoga, as it is in India, you know, all trademarks and everything aside, applies to the intellectual path to realization of truth. And what is it about? Higher, lower, higher, lower. Always lean towards the higher, lean towards the higher, lean towards the higher. Eventually what happens is individual intelligence favors its cosmic basis. And you end up 
living a life in cosmic consciousness. You have to meditate too. You transcend all of this, you know, transcend every morning, every evening, and then come out of that meditation state free of your stresses, and then you'll, you'll see that. Higher value is everywhere. All you have to do is lean toward it. Lean toward that, make that your habit, do that repeatedly, all good comes to you. Something bad seems to come to you, broken snail, it's actually good. Can you see it? Can you see it? What's the higher value? Find it. Hmm. A shooting happens where somebody drives over people and things like that. What's the higher value? Think about that for a moment. What is that? This is my take on it. Our world is divided up between majorities and minorities. We have minorities that are cultural minorities. There are minorities that are economic minorities, religious minorities, sexual minorities, all kinds of minorities. The message that our society is giving to all the minorities is we're democratic. And democratic means majority rule. And what does that mean? You lose. You're a minority, you lose. So the message of democracy to the world of minorities is you lose. We're the majority. We can't have your way. We want our way. We'll be having our way. You won't be having your way. Minorities of any kind. Minorities also have access to all of the most attention-getting things there are. Trucks, that's one thing. Guns, that's another thing. Nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons once were only in the possession of majorities. Now nuclear weapons are going into the hands of minorities. And so what is this all about? It's about the search for happiness. And we are not succeeding in bringing happiness to the world. Because what we're saying is only what the majority wants, that will be happening. Only what the majority wants. And minorities, no, sorry. You don't get what you want. You don't get anything you want. What is everybody looking for? They think they might be looking for land, or stuff, or expression of rights, or the ability to be recognized. Or they might be thinking that you, you majority people, you're the obstacle to them having the things that they feel they have a right to have. Actually, what's the whole point that's being missed is that all human beings have a right, a fundamental right, to be happy. Happiness can only come in its ultimate form from one experience. I and the universe are one. I and the universe are one. Without that experience, no stuff is going to make you happy. You might have houses, you might have land, you might have power, you might have anything you think you have, but in the end, it's not going to make you happy. What will make you happy is I and the universe are one. We have failed to teach this in the world.
we've failed to teach it. The techniques for experiencing I and the universe are one. What do we get when we see violence? We get a very clear report card. We failed. Now, if you get a D minus on something, then you need to find out what you can do to get an A. How do you get an A? You don't get an A by hunting down everybody who might have a thought of driving trucks over people. You'll never find all of them. You're not going to get an A by searching the world for anybody who might have such thoughts and killing them. They would kill us, so we'll kill them first. That was the 20th century. 160 million people died from that. And that was the world wars and the small wars of the 20th century. 160 million people were killed. And the idea was, if we kill them, we won't be afraid anymore. We'll kill them before they can kill us. Then we won't be afraid anymore. Now we're more afraid than anything. Let's invent weapons where we can vaporize entire cities in a split second. That's really terrifying us now. We created that monster. Because anybody can have it. Anybody. And so when we look at our choices, there's a higher value and a lower value. Hunt down those who might have thoughts about killing other people. And kill them first. Or see if you can incarcerate all of them. Or get out there and really begin teaching that anything that will lead people to heightened consciousness states. That is the higher value. And we need to lean toward that every time we see one of these report cards where we have somehow managed to create the birth of an enemy. We don't like accepting that, that enemies are our creation, that we created enemies. But that is the lesson that we have to learn. We create enemies and we do it by ignoring people. We ignore people, then enemies come. We give rise to the birth of enemies on the basis of not giving consciousness. And so where there's an enemy, there is an enemy that got created through systematic ignoring. We're just going to keep on trying to drink our expensive coffees and overcharge each other and keep on living our lives where we export all the unhappiness to other countries. You know, China doesn't have laws about occupational health and safety, so we'll get our stuff made over there where they don't have the laws that we have. And then we'll all wear the stuff. You like surfboards. It's a cool lifestyle, surfboard lifestyle. It all comes out of an oil well. You drive your car around looking for the best waves, polluting the air. Your wetsuit comes out of an oil well. It's illegal to make surfboards in the state of California because they pollute the environment too much and they're toxic, so surfboards are made in China now. Brought back to the United States and retailed here to the people who are natural. So we get to be natural, nature-loving surfers, just living our cool lifestyle, and the Chinese are over there choking on the resin, 
and the fiberglass dust being paid low wages. How long do we think we can continue with that model? We live our lives the way we live. All we want is, and this is my next lecture, which is happening in two weeks, all we want is freedom. Yeah, you want your freedom, but your freedom comes at the cost of millions of people who are forced by you to live a lifestyle that's not you. That's not the best. This is a model that is unsustainable. And all we want to do is be here in America and just be like we are. And then these people come over and try to run us over and stuff. And we can't understand them. So let's find who they are and kill them all. But they've all got brothers and sisters and cousins and aunties and uncles and mothers and fathers. And every one of them that you kill, it's like the Hydra with Hercules. You know, you cut off one head and six heads appear. Every time you kill an enemy, a million other enemies appear. So you can't kill them. What you have to do is find a way of being a more exemplary society. And that starts with you personally. What is your personal contribution to the evolutionary role in the world? What's your personal contribution? If you have as your personal contribution that you're going to expand and expand and expand your awareness and become more and more of a thinking individual and not someone who has knee-jerk reactions. It's fine to have a knee-jerk reaction, but we need to recover from the knee-jerk reactions and move forward with embracing the world. If the world's giving America problems, America's created enemies. That's what it is. So what are we doing about that? And we need to stay on that higher level. We need to get a better report card. We'll know that we've got an A plus when we don't need an army and an air force and a navy and all those things that are going to keep all the bad people away. You know, America invests the largest amount of any country on earth in keeping bad people away as we think they are. In any other country, 1% of the population might be in the military. In the United States, it's 10%. So one out of every 10 people is engaged in the process of keeping bad people out so we can continue overcharging each other and live our lifestyles and ignore everybody and export all of our toxicity elsewhere and borrow money elsewhere too. We can't afford to pay for it. China will pay for it. We just have to borrow more money from them. <laughs> we can't, this can't continue. And all I can say is, if it's disturbing, if the violence is disturbing, you haven't seen anything yet. You have not seen anything yet. One tiny little country surrounded by a world that's beginning to hate it. And you haven't seen anything yet. This is the world that we are charged with changing. Now that could be a drag, or you can decide to turn that into a joy. Higher value, lower value. You want to go with the higher value? Be exemplary. That's how you teach. If you're not yet a qualified teacher of meditation, 
you can at the very least be exemplary of it, live an exemplary life and you know, radiate life for all to enjoy. Hmm. Now, rest easy with this. You deserve the best. <laughs> you deserve the best. Never feel unworthy or not justified in having the best. I tell you, this is your heritage, but you have to accept it. You have to expect it. You have to claim it. And to do so is not demanding too much, huh? If you're enjoying these podcasts, I'll spend a moment talking about how you can make your individual contribution to the group effort. If you're enjoying this and feel that you're getting something from it, there's a way you can help us make this commercial free. Go on my website, look up the link for the podcasts, and make an individual donation. Thank you.